Hey team, it's Steady State Podcast. Your rowing fix, where the water's always flat, the catches are clean, and you can always hear the coxswain. It's Rachel Friedman and Tara Morgan. Sit ready. Thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode with Daniela Nakazlova, the author of Women's Voices in Rowing. Her new book features empowering interviews with 14 unique women from the global rowing community. We were also joined by two of the women featured in Daniela's book, Michelle Carpenter, the CEO of Rowing Ireland, and Judy Gear, two-time Olympian and part of the owner-operated family at Concept2 and Craftsbury Outdoor Center in Vermont. If you missed it or any of our episodes, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe to Steady State Podcast on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, we'd love it if you left us a review. Everyone who leaves a review is entered to win a limited edition Steady State sticker. Rachel, you and I are both really interested in backstories, the experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. Yeah, we really like to look outside the standard pipeline and generic rowing narrative. In the past few years, it's become clear that boat clubs and organizations that have historically catered to binary athletes are struggling to put out a welcome mat for trans and gender nonconforming athletes. Scholastic, collegiate, and master's programs, along with U.S. rowing, are slowly adopting new policies and opportunities for trans rowers, but there's a lot to learn and a long way to go. So today we're talking with Liam Miranda, a former Division I transgender rower. He studies the intersection of access to athletics and physical, mental, and social well-being, and has published various reports and policy reviews relating to LGBTQ inclusion in sports. Liam has also extensively presented research as it pertains to transgender inclusion in sports for diverse audiences, including athletic leaders, policymakers, advocates, health professionals, and most recently, U.S. rowing. He's a current graduate at Duke Sanford School of Public Policy and a sports inclusion researcher at Inclusion Playbook. Liam, thanks for being with us today. Thank y'all. I'm excited to be here. Um, my name is Liam Miranda. I use he, him pronouns. I grew up in upstate New York, and so I rode for Shenandoah High School up there, um, but then I ended up going to Duke for college, and I rode for Duke Women's Rowing for four years. Um, I no longer row, but I do lots of uh, research around sports and uh, inclusion in athletics. I'm really excited to be here today and chat with y'all. And you're an avid erger. I am a very avid erger. I erg more than most people who don't actively row would ever, like, you know, would ever imagine erging. So I do lots of erging in my living room or in my bedroom, wherever I decide to drag my erg that day. We are also with Killian Mullen, a junior at Batavia High School and a member of Chicago Rowing Foundation's Women's Varsity Squad. We found Killian on Instagram, where he recently launched the TRA United account with a vision for establishing the nonprofit Transgender Rowers Association in 2021. So Killian, thanks for talking with us today. Thanks for having me, y'all. Yeah. Hi, my name is Killian Mullen. I use he, they pronouns. I row for Chicago Rowing Foundation. I'm 16 and I'm from Batavia, Illinois. So we'd like to first ask, how's your rowing week going? What's up in your rowing world right now? Killian? Um, well, well, for me, I am currently in Florida training with some of my teammates. Currently back at home, it's snowing. It's horrendous weather, so we really haven't had the chance to get out on the water. We've been doing a lot of erg training, but this kind of gave us the opportunity to all get together as a boat and uh, have some good rows out on the water while things are kind of bad back at home. So, so you're getting to do sweep rowing? Yes. So jealous. So jealous. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we're really lucky that we all get to be out in an eight together and kind of be as a team right now, because I know it's pretty tough for other teams right now. And it's just, we're super grateful for that. And Liam, you're an avid erger. What was your last workout? Tell us about it. Oh my goodness. I was going to say my, my rowing in my living room is going very, very well on my <laughs> It was, it was, it was getting a little, a little stale. I've been switching it up and this, I promise this is not a sponsored, this is not an affiliate post, but Apple fitness just released like these, like at home rowing videos. And like, they're certainly not exactly like, I think what we're used to as folks who used to competitively row, but they do give a little bit of structure. And so they have like little 30 minute things and they'll coach you through some intervals. So I've been adding in some, some Apple fitness um, rowing into my erging regime. And it's been, it's been an interesting twist. So that's about as exciting as my rowing week gets, you know, these days. So hopefully that changes someday soon. 
Um, and I feel like after having been out of a boat for like three or four years and just erging, I feel like my, my rowing technique is not necessarily like there. It's kind of like you pick up all these weird quirks. You're like, I can do this because I'm on an erg, right? And so I feel like my, my actually my, my rowing focus this week and the past few weeks has been like, remember that you like actually got to get your hands out and you actually like just can't slide back and forth. Um, right. that's actually not doing you any, any justice. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So one of the things we wanted to make sure that got out into the populace and we ourselves uh, are not trans athletes, uh, but we have been obviously a little bit more in the know about these kinds of things. I represent the LGBT community uh, and Rachel has been with DC Strokes as a coxswain. And so we've, we've had our, our comings and goings, but we wanted to make sure we got all the terms right for all of our listeners. So, so the terms that we would love if you helped us define, and then we'll ask you if we're missing anything also. First one is transgender. So what exactly does that mean? I feel like transgender basically means that you don't identify with the gender that you were assigned at birth. And that can be anywhere from identifying as non-binary. Um, it can be identifying as male to female, which means that you were assigned male at birth. You identify as female. It can be female to male, which means that you I, were born as female, but like identify as male. And it's just not feeling like you necessarily have a whole, like you don't have a connection to the gender uh, identity that you were given at birth, basically. And I've heard this referred to as a gender presentation, like I present as, or I identify as, is that the proper way to say, what's your gender presentation or, and I also heard that there's, there's not, I prefer pronouns, but these are the pronouns I use. So that's actually something that's been a shift for me. Like I've put preferred, put your preferred pronouns in the chat or what, or in your participant name. And people have been like, no, they're not preferred. They're what I use. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think that's that's a huge piece of it is, um, you know, we often sometimes say like someone identifies as or someone prefers this and like in some contexts that's that's totally appropriate, but in others folks, you know, would, don't sort of want to hear that language used. And I think that really underscores like the most important point about language being that everyone kind of comes to language from a different place and everyone kind of has a set of language that feels right to them and a set of language that doesn't feel right to them. And I think no one ever got in trouble for, you know, asking what language people use or kind of like letting folks define things in their own terms. So I think everyone sort of uses language in a different way to kind of capture a different thing about themselves. Um, and I appreciate you bringing up like gender expression as well. And I think that's real, it's closely related to sort of your gender identity. So, you know, the, the gender that you know yourself to be. Um, gender expression, I think, is a little bit, it's connected, but it's a little bit more fluid times, right? It's kind of how you present yourself uh, to the world. So gender identity can, it can be fluid, but sometimes it can be a little bit more permanent, right? So I identify as a trans man. And regardless of what I put on, regardless of how I wear my hair, regardless of like what kind, if I wear something traditionally masculine, um, you can't see the air quotes I'm making, right? But traditionally masculine or traditionally feminine, um, to me, that doesn't influence my identity as a trans man. And so I think, you know, expression can be a little bit, expression is traditionally a little bit more fluid, but so can gender identity. It can also be a little bit more fluid. So I think all that to say is like, language is sort of, you sort of a choose your own adventure and what you make of it. But typically we think of like the gender, your gender identity, you know, are you transgender, you non-binary, some other form of gender expansive um, and how you present yourself to the world with, with your clothing, your voice, your hair, your kind of the way your expressions, um, as a little, as a separate buckets, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And, and one of the terms that, that Killian said was uh, non-binary, but then related to that, can you unpack that term and also GNC, which I just heard recently that as an acronym of gender non-conforming. So are those the same thing? Well, I feel like they, they, they're very similar. Some people, like, uh, like Liam was saying, some people have different like language that they want to specifically use. And I feel like it's whatever should be most comfortable with them. Whatever language they want to use that makes them feel most comfortable in their identity is the language that they should use for themselves. Personally, I say that I'm transmasculine, even though I do use non-binary pro pronouns along with masculine pronouns, because my pronouns are he, they. Um, so I say that I'm transmasculine, but other people might perceive me as non-binary since I do use those pronouns as well. However, I feel like gender non-conforming and non-binary, it really just depends on what the person feels most comfortable with using, although they are very, they are in essential the same meaning as each other. It just depends on what the person prefers to use if they prefer to use one word or the other to describe it. Great. Thank you. That's super yeah. helpful. Are we yeah. missing any, any other 
terms or newer terms in the sphere that maybe we're not thinking about? Maybe, I think. I just, I just like to underscore <laughs> the point, right? I know it's not a good answer, but I think um, I used to work at a human rights campaign and I used to run up, uh, head up a lot of our research projects. And one of the, re one of the projects we did was, was a survey of about uh, 20,000 LGBTQ young people ages 13 to 17. And uh, one of the studies, one of the papers that came out of that big survey um, was just a study about like the diversity of terms people are using to describe their genders and their sexual orientations. And I think a, a turn, one of the papers said, I think there was around like 35 to 40 like unique terms with like a sizable backing of young people using that to describe their gender and describe their, and describe their sexual orientation. And so I think like that just continuing to underscore the point that like this language is really ever evolving and it's ever developing. And there's always lots of new terms popping up and there's always like some terms that kind of people use less. Um, but I think just the important thing to know for anyone who's like, oh, how do I keep up with it? Like, how do I know what what's what is just like, you know, to, to do your research if you hear it or also like, if you're coming respectfully ask, right? I think everyone does define terms differently and like, you know, transgender might mean something different to me than it does to Killian. And so I think, just, you know, if you're in a conversation where, you know, these terms are being discussed, like it's totally appropriate um, to ask folks how, sort of what that means to them and how they kind of define their own identity. I know yeah. a couple of years ago, uh, National Geographic had this really great issue and it was outlining pages and pages of terms and terminology. And, you know, I am a little bit older than both of you guys and reading through it, it was like, like mind blowing. I, it was a real eye opener to me. You know, I, I consider myself pretty, uh, not only open-minded, but pretty well educated. I've been uh, a member of DC Strokes Rowing Club, which is like one of the only LGBTQ clubs in the country. Uh, so I thought I kind of knew things. And then there was this article, I was like, I didn't even know people were using these terms. So that's why we wanted to unpack a few of these with you. Um, do you have a suggestion of where we can send people for a really good resource on this? Generally speaking, if you look up something like what's dead naming or what does transgender mean, um, you'll get a lot of resources to quickly pop up that are really good to use. Um, I know that Liam mentioned before that he works for the Human Rights Campaign and I feel like that's a great resource to go to as well um, because you do get a lot of outlines on terminology and um, just events that have happened or history that you might not know about or things that you might not know about or people that you might not know about and I feel like it's more than just educating yourself about um, words or terminology or things that you kind of just hear up in conversation but also educating yourself on the backgrounds of certain people on like people's history or these stories because I feel like the more that people hear about these things and the more that people research and the more that people educate themselves about these things beyond just terminology the more that other people can have access to that education as well and the more that people are going to start accepting things as well so I do feel like while it's important to find like these words that we might not know, I feel like it is so much more valuable sometimes to just go out on your own and do some of your own research and really kind of dig in deep to it so that we can understand everything that comes behind the words as well as the word and the definition of the word itself. I feel like that's super important just to progressing forward at this rate. Definitely. No, thank you so much for that. There's one last thing I wanted to ask about, and that's related to this. And Killian, when you did the takeover for Athletes for Equal Rights, you mentioned something you referred to as a safe route, like going the safe route. Uh, I like the idea of actually approaching someone and asking them some questions in a respectful way, of course. Um, but can you just explain for me that safe route? Because I think we could actually fill our minds with tons of papers and websites and things, and then try to go to the boathouse and be all like, you know, and I'm speaking from like a completely binary, stereotypical gender narrative, you know, at, in rowing, which is a very steeped in tradition. Um, you know, I could fill my mind with all those concepts and then go to the boathouse and be like, well, I read this article. Does that you, you know, like, is that what are we talking about with safe route and like how to talk to someone? I feel like when I mentioned the safe route, I meant that you just have to approach it with as much caution as you can, because it's not necessarily like, oh, this is like, I have to be so cautious. Like I could make this person like go off or something. No, 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 no. It's more so just being respectful. Like you wouldn't necessarily go up to someone that's cisgender and be like, well, 
I want to know your whole life story and everything that you've done to get to the point that you're at. And, you know, you just, you don't necessarily expect that from regular cisgender people. And I feel like sometimes people expect that from transgender people. You, they expect you to explain everything that you've done to get to the point that you're at. And I feel like for a lot of us, that can just be so tiring and just, it can kind of demotivate at least me a little bit and be like, oh, maybe they really only want me as like a resource to learn a little bit more about something, or maybe they just want to hear about this and they don't like actually want to get to know me more. And I feel like it's just something that, you know, as people constantly come back to transgender people to kind of get the resources that they need instead of kind of going out and educating themselves a little bit, I feel like the safe route means that just be a little bit cautious about how much you ask of people, be a little bit uh, cautious about the questions that you ask and always be sure to like phrase something beforehand. Like if you don't want to answer this, you don't have to, or is it okay if I ask this, or please don't hesitate to tell me if I'm going too far. I feel like words like that can just really alleviate a lot of the stress that can come out of these responses from transgender people like myself. Yeah. I think you raise a really good point, Killian. I, you know, there's, this huge movement to learn, a huge movement to unlearn, um, to learn and unlearn, to uh, incorporate, include. Uh, in the last year, there's been lots of discussions around the Black Lives Matter, and we're hearing some of the same sentiments from folks that we've turned to, to talk, to talk to, saying, you know, don't just come to us to talk about this one thing. So we appreciate you being here to talk about transgender issues, but we do also just want to talk to you about rowing. So we'll get there. And by the way, Killian, if you could just hold up those hands, we want to see that because I saw... <gasps> Oh, we need a photo for the show notes of that. God, oh, oh, man. don't miss that. Look at these soft baby hands. Yeah, you know, from <laughs> er hold on so tight. <laughs> I have a couple. I have a couple little ones from erging, but not like not oh, like rowing. I miss those nice baby hands. Now you know. Tara and I have joked about how we kind of miss like we'd have a after practice. You go out for coffee with your club teammates. And you're drinking your coffee and eating your breakfast and you're like, right, like chewing off your uh, calluses. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, just, no, um, just, just me. It's just me. <laughs> Liam, did you have anything to add to that? No, yeah, I was going to say, Kellyanne, I really, I really appreciate that point. I always like to, my heart goes out to trans athletes, you know, actively competing because I say like, when was the last time you saw a news article about a trans athlete and like how they placed, you know what I mean? Like their, their, their time and their like, you know, how they do in that race or, you know what I mean? Like how, how is their training plan going or like what's on the, what's on the radar for them? I think, you know, every time we see things about trans athletes, it's, I really appreciate us being on this podcast and talking about like rowing and talking about like, you know, what we're doing and kind of like what's on the radar for us. Um, because I think so often it's such a flat narrative. It's just like this kind of like deep dive into like the mystique around being a transgender athlete. And certainly that harms, all trans folks, but it's, you know, it's really especially focused on trans women, on trans people of color, especially trans women of color, right? Just this kind of like intersection of, you know, this, this almost like mystique and obsession with like what it's like to be a trans person in athletics um, and doesn't really take into account like the whole athlete or the whole person and really support and like show, show interest in their, in their entire being, right? And so I appreciate kind of like that point you made, Killian, about how, how expensive this is and how like it's not, it has to be done respectfully and, and you know, holistically. Yeah, absolutely. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Steady State Network and on Twitter at Steady State Row. You can sign up for our weekly e-newsletter on our website too. And we're back with Liam Miranda and Killian Mullen. So okay. do you want to talk some rowing? You want to talk some rowing? Yeah. Let's talk, let's talk some rowing. All right. Well, all right. So like we mentioned right up at the top, we really want to know about people's backstories. We just are like super curious how people got involved. And so Killing, we know that you're really pretty brand new to the sport. You've really only been involved for, for what, a, a year-ish? Yeah, I've only been involved in rowing for about a year. Yeah. Wow. Now, wow. how you did found you... your sport? Wow. <laughs> now, how did you find rowing and how did you decide to uh, stick with it? Okay, so originally I had been playing volleyball. I played volleyball for somewhere between like five and six years. Um, and I kind of just was getting tired of the sport, um, the politics that go with it, just a lot of factors in that. And I wanted to find something new that I would kind of 
you know, really grabbed me. And my mom actually rode for Purdue um, for three years while she was in college. And she saw an ad for a local club that um, was starting to take people in for winter training sessions. And while I didn't get the chance to do that, since I was still finishing out the last of a volleyball season, um, I did hop into one of their boats during the spring um, at the very end of May going into June. And I actually had the chance to race with them as well. Um, I had been training there for about a month and a half before I went to the Chicago sprints in 2019 and did the 800 meter race that was there. And then after that, I kind of decided that while I really, really, really enjoyed the people that were at that club and I enjoyed that club, um, I wanted to be more competitive and I really wanted to find something that would drive me because I just, I fell in love with the sport. I love being outside. I'm a very like nature centered person. Um, I live in a kind of woodsy suburb area that's outside of Chicago. Um, but I ended up deciding to make the commitment to go to Chicago Rowing Foundation, which is about an hour away from where I live, um, and taking that trek <laughs> six days a week to get to practice. And I feel like kind of having that whole experience of having to give up a lot of my free time, having to do homework in the car, having to eat in the car, having to do all this stuff just so I could get to rowing practice made me realize how much I really, really love the sport because it meant something that I had to do all of that just to get to practice. Um, and I feel like it was, you know, it was something where I was so grateful for this opportunity that I got and I just knew that I couldn't give it up. So I decided to stick with it. And I'm really glad that I did. But taking just like one little step back from that. So you get in this boat for the first time, you're rowing along, uh, you're reconnecting with nature, which you really love. Is What got you hooked when you got out on the water? Just having, I mean, I... I'm not, um, my teammates know that I'm not a super, super like loud, like I'm, I'm energetic. Like I'll get people amped up, but I'm not, I don't talk about myself a lot. And it was just kind of a moment where I realized I could say so much without having to say anything at all. It was like, mm -hmm. yeah, I could just put the work in. I could be there. I could be there with my team and I could really just push hard. And that said so much about not only me, but about my teammates. And I didn't even have to talk to anyone. And it was like, it was kind of a moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this so much because I'm in just such a wonderful environment and I'm with people that I really care about and they know that I have their back and I know that I have theirs. And it's kind of like this trusting moment where you don't have to say anything to trust anyone. You just, you trust them intrinsically. And it's, it's just, it, it's so healing to me. And it was just a sport that really brought me a lot of joy. So that's why I decided to do it from the moment I stepped in the boat. I was like, holla, holla. Yes, absolutely. Preach. I learned when I was 13. I totally get it. Yes. All right, and Liam, what about you? How did you get started in rowing? Oh gosh, I had a rocky, a rocky start. I think I started rowing in 2005 or 2006. Um, when I was in middle school, I was a super unathletic kid. I did not like playing sports. And one day a friend taught me that there was a sport you can play while you were sitting down. And I was really attracted to the idea of like being able to sit and play a sport. Um, I was really deceived. It's really hard, turns out. Um, and growing up and so I signed up for the rowing team um, and I signed up in fall in upstate New York where it is cold and snowing constantly. So my first three days on a rowing team, we did not get on the water. We just ran back and forth on this one road and we ran out of time to teach us how to row. And so my fourth day on the rowing team, my first time in a boat was actually a race. And it was a middle school octuple race, which is probably like one of the most chaotic scenarios you can put someone in to learn how to row a boat. Um, so I caught double crab sitting in bow and I just kind of rode myself all the way. I sat there and everyone was kind of yelling at me um, and I just kind of sat there and we, we lost. Um, and so I went home and I was like, this has to get better. Like this can't be, this can't be it. Um, and so that kind of me being sort of optimistic, I was like, this is the worst it can get. So like this sport should probably turn out to be like pretty good because I've already had my worst time in it. Um, a little, maybe a little too overly optimistic, but but um, I stuck with it. And I mean, a lot of like what Killian mentioned, like really, really resonates with me. I just think I was so drawn to the sport because one, it, it, it's super hard. You know what I mean? It pushes you so hard physically and it pushes you so hard mentally um, at the same time. It's just, you're constantly thinking and you can just lose hours, you know, and not even feel like you're losing hours while you're exercising. And two, I just think it's such a unique team sport in the sense that like an all-star player can't carry you anywhere right you can't have a handful of good athletes and have a good team I think you know rowing is one of those sports where you're truly only as good as the worst person on your team and I think that sort of mentality was so attractive to me as someone who 
who really invested in the folks around me and really, really loves doing that kind of teamwork and is really invested in the growth of, of my teammates and the group that I'm in. Um, I just thought it was such a cool sport that really created such a collaborative and supportive environment. So, you know, stuck with it up until I um, graduated from college in, in 2016 and, you know, still on the ERG. So must have really imprinted on me somehow. It does. It pr imprints on us and it's like either you love it or you hate it and there's like really no in between. <laughs> We actually had that on a recent episode, or I heard that recently, where you either absolutely love it or you despise it. There's never anyone on a team that's like, ah, I could go either way. Like you're either in it or you're gone. Like you, and you, because you have to be, your whole team needs to be uh, as invested as you are. One of my favorite rowing quotes is a rising tide lifts all boats, right? So if you're the rising tide, you know, you're lifting up your teammates, you're having those same expectations. And it's just such a wonderful thing for, especially for high school students to learn. I mean, not that those programs are perfect and those kids are the best kids in the world. We, we obviously have seen some pretty horrible um, junior and collegiate rowing meme activity uh, over the years. Uh, that's, that's not so complimentary uh, of them and of the sport, but um, such a great experience. So when you were in your high school program, Leanne, and your college program, what was the boathouse culture like, uh, and Killian too, like what's the boathouse culture like? Is it welcoming? Is it inclusive? Um, and what I'm riffing off of is that we had a, a trans uh, athlete on the panel that I did with US Rowing, the LGBTQIA plus panel that I did, who did not feel comfortable being their own ambassador as the trans athlete, they just wanted to row, right? They didn't want to have to speak up and call out people when they were misgendered or dead named, or, you know, they didn't want to call those people out. So in your boathouse cultures, um, has that been a welcoming and inclusive environment? And how's your relationship with your coaches? For me, I, I resonate with what um, that person had said about not wanting to constantly have to be the person that corrects people. But I also, I feel like at some point, I just kind of understood that if I didn't do it, who would? So I had to do it. And I came out, um, I came out over a Zoom call, which if you're wondering what a bad way to come out is, it's over a Zoom call. It's awkward. I mean, everyone has their camera on, they're on mute and you just have to say something and like look at their facial expressions. And it's, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, but I I was very lucky to have a team that was extremely accepting and ha to have coaches that were extremely accepting. And just told me that, you know, they would try to learn more. Um, they wanted to know more, um, of course, and they just wanted to know how they could support me the best. And I mean, I feel like that definitely has probably come a long way um, since what boathouse culture used to be like, because I feel like where I, where I currently am is such a welcoming and such a warm place. And just having people be like, oh, can I say this? Or, oh, do you want to talk about this? Or do you not want to talk about this? Because you don't want to just be seen as a transgender rower or like, what, what should I say about this? And just kind of coming up to me first before they say anything about me or ask if they can say anything about me. It's just like one of the like biggest kindest regards that I feel like I've ever gotten. And just the culture that I have at my boathouse, I feel like is so strong and everybody cares about each other so much that while it doesn't matter to them. It also does matter to them in the sense that they want to make sure that I feel welcomed and that I feel protected and that I feel like I belong as a part of um, their culture. And I feel like coming from, coming from, as I mentioned earlier, I used to play volleyball, kind of coming from a sport where it was kind of the flip side of that. And I had some experiences that weren't so great. Um, coming into a sport like this and being so welcomed in was just so relieving and it really was a warm moment so I'm, I'm so grateful for the family that I have at Sierra. Yeah it sounds like you're really lucky to be where you are and um, have the people in your life that you do. I'm a little curious because Liam you're not much older but you do have a few few years on Killian and things have changed so what was your experience like in in high school and moving into college and then I do want to ask you about some actual like rowing and racing. Yeah, for sure. And Killian, I can't tell if coming out on a Zoom call is worse or coming out over email, which is what I did. I feel like email might be better because you can just kind of walk away from it. But the Zoom, I imagine it's like staring at all the boxes is very, is very nerve wracking. So props to you. I think um, in terms of high school, I don't think it's something I even thought about in high school. Like I, I think, you know, I graduated high school in 2012, right? And at that time, I don't think trans representation was a fraction of, of what it was. It's accelerated so much in the past year. It's been amazing. 
Um, but I didn't know what a trans person was, I think, until I went to college. And that hit me like a ton of bricks, right? As soon as I kind of like saw, saw that thing I saw myself reflected in and that made me have a lot of questions about my own identity and my own experience. And I think I kind of went through college wrestling with that and wrestling with what that meant for me. Um, you know, at, so at high school, I did, it didn't really, you know, I didn't think too much, you know, as about, you know, how my LGBTQ identity was sort of reported in the boathouse because it wasn't really like a possibility for me. I didn't really start wrestling with those questions um, until I was in college. And at college, I think I had a really unique experience in, at Duke being in, the team was super, super supportive. It was really, really inclusive. And, you know, at my time, my time at Duke, I came out you know, as queer with my sexual orientation, right? And, you know, I had a lot of LGBTQ teammates um, who were queer. And I think, you know, we did a ton of work around LGBTQ inclusion. Everyone was always really, really supportive and really, really engaged, but we never really talked about trans inclusion, right? And when we did talk about trans inclusion, we talked about, you know, we were on the women's team, like how welcoming we want to be of a trans woman who wanted to row on our team. I don't think we ever floated the idea that like, you know, there could be trans people on our team right now, or like, what would we do if one of our athletes came out as trans? Um, and so I, I felt like I was in a really tough position, um, you know, by the time I had finally like come to terms with who I was and was sort of ready to share the fact that, that I was a trans man and I did want to come out. It was my senior year um, and we just had a, brought, brought in a whole brand new coaching staff. So an entire clean sweep, we had three new coaches. Um, I was a team captain, we were in like a really tumultuous time. And I just didn't, didn't know what was going to happen, right? I had no idea how it was going to be taken. I knew we were doing a lot of LGBTQ inclusion work. And like, I, I had this feeling that they would be supportive, but I was like, oh, will my teammates respect me, right? Like, will I lose my scholarship? Like, well, can I still row? Like, I was really unsure with like how it was going to be, it was going to be handled. And I didn't, I didn't want to chance it. So I kind of ended up just being like, okay, Liam, it's, it's one year, just kind of write it out and sort of, you can, you can figure it out when you graduate. Um, and, and that wasn't a fair, I don't think that was totally fair because I was in such an inclusive supportive environment, but I just, I just wasn't sure. And I think that's a testament to like the need to be proactive with trans inclusion conversations and trans inclusive policies. Cause like, even if you don't think you have a trans athlete, or even if you don't think there are trans people kind of around your program, um, there, there are right there, there very likely are. And I think, you know, just putting that out in the open would have, would have meant the world to me and someone like me who was trying to figure out how that would be, how that would be taken or how that would be supported. Um, I just didn't end up coming out because I wasn't sure. I never really had an indication of, of how it would be. And I think, you know, to this day, again, I say it was unfair because like my former teammates and my coaches that I had at Duke are like some of my biggest, biggest supporters, right? They were so happy for me. They were, they were so proud of me and like, they still are, you know, inviting me back to campus, right? They want me to talk, you know, at banquets, they want me to come to practices. And it's just like, such such a testament to the program that like they're so proud of this trans man who wrote on the women's team and is like wants to put this person in front of recruits and in front of families and in front of the you know the pro and represent the program and i think you know if i wanted to come out at duke and socially transition while i was there i think we could have made it work it was just sort of the lack of clarity that kind of made me made me nervous and that uncertainty that caused me i think to end up not coming out you're a real trailblazer when it comes to that i'm sure at duke because you were probably one of the first that made the full uh, transition and and came out, yeah. Yeah, I think I think over time, you know, we're seeing we're seeing more folks who are former athletes come out as trans, like after their athletic careers. Um, you know, hope, and certainly know some other other trans athletes um, who have competed at Duke and are kind of now past their athletic career and are coming out. And so I think you know just again goes to show you that like you know whether or not you think there are trans folks on your team like there, there are trans folks on your team and I think just as proactive as we can be about communicating our support like it means a world of difference and I mean I know it's to no fault of anybody on my end but like it would have meant the world of difference to me to sort of just hear someone say it even if they if it's corny or if it's like kind of out of place um you know just those little nuggets of of inclusion and speaking about these things just can make such a difference in folks who are trying to figure out the temperature of what it means for them to come out. Sure. And, and when you say they're asking you to come back, are you talking about those things, talking to coaches, talking to assistant coaches, basically doing some education piece? Cause you've chosen this as your path with your graduate work and your, and your professional life. Yeah. I think, you know, they, they're asking when they asked me to come back and you know, I still stay in touch with my coaches um, from college. I'm, I'm in Durham now. I'm still at Duke, but I'm a graduate student. And I think, you know, they're always like, oh, do you want to come to a practice? Like, oh, you want to chat with the team? Um, you know, the other year they asked if I wanted to come speak at the banquet. 
um, they've just always really, really uh, supportive, supportive of me and are really excited for me to be involved with the program, which I think is, it's, it's a big testament to the program as well. They actually just did an article on me and another one of my former teammates um, about like our LGBTQ inclusion work that we did while we were rowing on the team. So publishing that like from the Duke Athletic Department, like from their sort of like communications hub, which is, which is super exciting. And so I think, you know, just for me, it's exciting that they, they're not trying to like finesse me being in front of, being a representative of the program they don't feel the need to like explain themselves or like yeah this is Liam like he he was on the rowing team um you know he was the captain and and he's a man right and so I think they they have just been really supportive of that and like I didn't expect I think them to want me to still be so visible within the program and as an alumni of the program but I've been really surprised and, and proud of that. Killian do you feel like your your the rowing organization that you're with is has been thoughtful about putting you in that position and and having you talk or, or present or share your athlete, your takeover that you did with athletes for equal rights or. For me, that's been a lot on my part. Um, just kind of putting myself out there and um, reaching out to people um, because I feel like it's my responsibility to a certain degree to be like, Hey, there has to be something said and I want to be able to use my voice to say something. So it's not, really been my club as much as it has been me kind of stepping forward and being like hey I want people to understand that trans people are everywhere they're not you know they're not just in like everyday life but they're in your sports they're in entertainment they're in so many things and I feel like people have to realize that and if they don't then we're just not going to keep progressing as we have been and I just wanted to say really quick, kind of what Liam touched on for a second, um, how it was kind of unfair that you decided not to come out until like senior year. I just want to say really quick, I'm a very stubborn person, like to a certain degree in my own, in my own ways, I'm a stubborn person. And I, I, when I basically kind of found out that or realized that I was trans when I was like in, at the beginning of middle school, kind of going through a couple tumultuous years of like trying to figure out who exactly I was, how I wanted to present. And when I finally had everything click for me and I finally kind of realized who I was, I was in the middle of quarantine in the spring season and it wasn't the best time to come out, but I said, hey, no, this is who I am. There's no best time to come out. It's just when I decide to. And I feel like right now is just the moment where I need to be myself and I need to show that to my teammates because something that I value a lot is honesty. And I feel like that goes along with loyalty as well. And I feel like I wasn't going to be able to be honest with everyone else and no one else would be able to be honest with me if I wasn't fully being honest with myself first. And I feel like that came with being loyal to myself and being like, hey, this is who you are. If people are going to prevent you from being who you are, then why would you want to be a part of something that keeps you from being you? So I just wanted to say, like, I, I completely understand that. And I feel like it was just kind of my stubbornness that <laughs> kept me a little bit from, you know, being like, no, I should wait. I was like, no, no, this is who I am. This is what needs to happen. Like if people take it the wrong way, then they can take it the wrong way. That's up to them. I, I can try and educate them, but I, I love that. And that's exactly like, I, I want to clarify that like, that is the energy I wish I had, right? Because I feel like, you know, if any trans athletes are listening to this, like, don't do what I did, right? Like, I understand it's a, it's a matter of safety and you kind of have to figure out like, am I safe to do this? Um, but I feel like I had so much like internalized, like, I wasn't giving myself like the value or the credit I deserved. Like I wasn't like weighing the value of like what it would have meant to show up as a teammate who got to be their whole self, right? I would have been a better teammate. I would have been a better leader. Like I would have been a better athlete um, if I had come out. And so I feel like I did do, I was so wrapped up and like, oh, I can't come out. It's going to be a huge distraction to the team. Like, oh, it's going to hurt like our trajectory. And it's like, no, I probably hurt the team way more by like being someone who is just kind of like holding a part of myself back every day. And even if like that didn't show up consciously, like I know I, I probably showed up unconsciously. It's like, how can you give hundred percent of yourself as an athlete if you're monitoring, you know, who you are in the boathouse or in the erg room. And so I think I, I think, you know, where you're coming from is, is spot on, right? I think you, we deserve to show up in these spaces and it's not a distraction and it's not going to hurt a team. It's going to make a team better. It's going to make a team faster. And everyone should, should remember that when you're kind of worried about how this is going to go, if you're safe to come out, like you are going to be a better athlete and you're going to be a better team if you do. And if you can. 
exactly and i also feel like it's just sometimes for a lot of people it can be hard because you don't see a lot of examples of trans people in sports a lot like you were saying earlier you don't see like about their results you don't see how they're doing you just see oh there's a trans athlete and you don't see much more past that and that can be really scary because you don't know what people are going to expect then you don't know what people are going to say about you and i i feel like i'm just so lucky to kind of have had those opportunities where I have seen trans people not necessarily in sports but in the media and I've been like I want to be like them I want to be 100% myself and I want to stand I mean I don't mind if I have to stand out and stand apart like I will be who I will be and I feel like that's just that's something that as I've kind of I mean I'm 16 I don't have a lot of (laughs) I don't have a lot of life experiences like a ton under my belt um but I feel like it's just something that I kind of gradually realized it's a part of my life. It's who I am. So why not just kind of fully go into it and accept it? So, yeah. And I, I mean, I just respect your strength so much for like getting, I can't even like imagine like kind of getting through like that whole time being like, this is who I am. This is who I am. And kind of holding back, like you were so strong for doing that. And I just, yeah, that's, that's just so awesome to me. And I, I just wanted to preface really quickly as well, that like seeing people that have gone through the whole college rowing experience and seeing people who are comfortable with who they are now and have come out just means the world to me as someone who is younger and is still kind of going through this whole experience. So. Steady State Network is a media group bringing together real life rower experiences through podcast conversations, website musings, and a curated magazine. Join us as a patron, writer, artist, podcast guest, and fan. It's rowing for the rest of us. Check out the show notes on our website to see photos of Killian and Liam, along with links to the people and clubs mentioned in the episode, www.studystatenetwork.com. And we're back with Liam Miranda and Killian Mullen. Well, we feel really lucky to have both of you with us today, and thank you for your honesty um, and your willingness to talk to us about all of this, because we are just asking you, like, talk about yourself, you know, and it's it's not the easiest thing, and it is very personal, so we want to make sure um, we are, we've been with you for almost 50 minutes now, and we haven't even talked that much about rowing, so we do want to talk about that a little bit, uh, and I'm very curious, so Killian, I know you've mentioned having practices several days a week, being in, in boats, I believe, but how, how has um, the season looked dealing with COVID? What is your team doing? Well, an interesting little fact about me, I've never done a 2K race. So I've never had the chance to actually be on the water and do race just because I basically came from novice year winter training and I was out in the water for maybe a week and then quarantine happened. So the only race that I have done has been a 4K race that was kind of like a head style race um, during the fall season of 2019. Um, But currently my team has kind of been doing stuff like we'll hold Pilates sessions. We'll do ERG, like we'll do team ERG workouts that we all have to submit times for. We'll do stuff like this where we're training somewhere that's, you know, a little bit looser on COVID restrictions, of course, keeping as safe as we possibly can with our masks and hand sanitizer and social distancing and everything that we can do. Um, and getting some time out on the water. And it is, it is a little bit of a bummer that I haven't had the chance to race yet. Um, we are looking for some possible opportunities and we have, you know, found some that could possibly come into permission. So I could possibly get the chance to race sometime in the near future, which would be fantastic because I, I've never had that experience before and I'm just amped to kind of see what it's like. Um, but for right now, we're getting as much time in the water as we can in these little training trips. We're erging and keeping our strength and stamina up and we're doing Pilates and kind of, also some team sessions where we just get to have mindfulness talks and talks to each other about nutrition and just team updates to kind of make sure that we're all on the same page with how much we need to work and how much um, we are kind of pushing to get to that possible spring season that could be coming up this year that we're really looking forward to. For you, okay, so you haven't raced yet, but you had some water time. Uh, you, you know, you're you're really in that first year where there's a lot. You're you're learning a lot. There's going to be a lot of progress, and um, it's really exciting that first year. Is there something about the stroke that you're like, man, I really got to work on that? You know, because uh, we see that you're putting a lot of time in on the erg, which is in itself is like its own beast, is figuring figuring out your erg technique. But out on the water, is there something that you're like, I'm really kind of chipping away at it, trying to figure it out? Starts 
I cannot, I, oh my gosh, I am like slowly trying to figure out how to do starts and it is, it is something else entirely because one of the tech pieces that I struggle with in the regular stroke and just kind of going through like three by five minute pieces, three by six minute pieces, or like those kind of like shorter pieces is getting, um, getting my hands out quickly and then timing my legs right. So they're not going too fast. Cause sometimes I'll put out my hands way too slow. And then I try to speed up with my legs to catch up to everyone else. And that just doesn't work. Um, it's set, it unsets the whole boat. It doesn't go well for anyone. Um, so I've been really trying to kind of work on that and focus on that. And I can't tell you how much practicing starts has helped with that because it's like, you have to be on it at all times. You have to have your hands going out. And when you're kind of getting into that high 10 where you don't have any layback at all, and you're kind of just getting into that motion of go forward, go back, go forward, go back, and kind of pushing your hands down, making sure that they get out in time. It's just, that's literally the only thing that you can focus on. I feel like to a certain degree is your hands and your leg motion and everything else is just kind of a blur because you're going so fast. So I feel like that's been something that, has been definitely a challenge, but it's a challenge that I love taking because it's something entirely new for me as well. So it's it's been pretty fun <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> now at six feet tall, how do you stack up in terms of height with the other people in your in your boats? Yeah, so I have I have some other people in my boat who are about 5'10", 5'11", um, and then I have some people in my boat who are a little bit on the shorter end around 5'8", um, and can be different because my legs, uh, my legs are not super, super long, like some tall people are, but my torso is super long. So it can be hard to kind of time the body over at certain points. Right. And I feel like that can kind of be the reason why sometimes I'll be really fast with my legs and then I'll be super like slow with my arms and my body coming over just because I don't realize that my legs are like the same length as some of the people that are five, eight in my boat. Yet I kind of have to just keep like keep keeping in my mind that I'm taller than them so that has to be somewhere else it's in my torso and I have to speed that up so I have to ask what seat are you I am three seat so I'm a wow okay sweet in the meat the beginning of the meat room the meat locker or engine room whichever you want to call it engine room I'm a six seat you know (laughs) I like to be the strokes bodyguard. They call it the strokes bodyguard. It's my favorite. I I love it. About you, where did you sit in the boat most often? So as I got further in my rowing career, it's funny you bring up height because I'm five six, and so I so I felt very short on women's teams, which brightens me for when I head back to a men's team. Um, But I I was five seat for a while, but towards the end of my college career, I had to start making up for for my lack in, in size and uh, technique. So I ended up at seven seat most of the time. So Killian, we found you on Instagram with TRA United, which stand, well, you can tell us what, what is TRA United and what's your hopes for that in 2021? So TRA United is Transgender Rowing Association. Um, and my hopes for that in 2021 is that hopefully I've been reaching out to some other transgender athletes who are currently in college rowing um, and in high school rowing, which has been just so heartwarming to me to see other people out there that are like me. Um, And I'm hoping to get their stories out there. I'm hoping to, you know, have things where I do post about terminology and kind of post about my own story and my own coming out. Um, And I'm hoping to maybe inspire some other clubs and some other coaches to kind of start speaking about this in their own boathouse before a transgender person comes out and they feel like they have to start speaking about it. Because I feel like if you start the conversation early on, then I feel like it'll make a lot more people feel comfortable in that environment to come out, just make the environment comfortable for everyone else so they realize, oh, this isn't a hostile environment that I'm in. This is a very safe and welcoming environment. And I feel like I can be a part of it. So I feel like that's my whole goal is just to make sure that everyone, you know, kind of realizes that there has to be kindness, there has to be integrity, and there has to be courage behind everything that you do in a boathouse. And I feel like that comes with being open and accepting. And I feel like that's just really important and it's a huge goal that I have with this account that I just made so yeah that's how we found you is really just came through the feed and um, I'm wondering are you hoping to attract into that community other trans rower athletes prospective trans rower athletes but also that as a as a place where a coach could go for support or a coach could go to dm you and say hey you know I've got this um, kid and I'm just really lost I really want to talk to somebody. 
yeah yeah I do kind of want to be that kind of pinnacle of like oh you can if you have something where it's like I need help like I don't know what to do like I don't know what to say then you do have somewhere that you can go that you feel like oh this person's had this experience well I'm not going to be the universal like I know all I've had every experience known to man I will be at least someone that they can go to where it's like oh, based on this person's experience, maybe I should approach it like this. So they're not quite as lost as they might be without having that kind of guidance that could be there for them. Well, it sounds like Liam might be a really great resource uh, for you to send people to also, since that's what he's focusing on and he's been through it um, and, and a little bit older. Killian, you are a junior right now in high school. Is that right? All right. So you've got another year of rowing. You already, though, are uh, committed. Could you tell us, uh, we want to get on the record, where you're going to school? Yeah, I'm going to school at UC Berkeley. And what, what got you excited about going there? Um, so I basically wanted to go there since I was younger. Um, I kind of, at first I was like, oh, I want to be an astrophysicist when I grow up. And I looked up online what like the best school for astrophysics was. And I quickly saw that Berkeley was like the top school. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to go to Berkeley. I want to know everything about Berkeley. And I kind of like researched it in my free time. And like, as I slowly got into middle school and realized that, you know, physics might not have been the strongest suit that I could possibly have. I was more interested in things, um, like criminal behavior and psychology and sociology um I kind of started to branch out and like look into the school more as just a general place where I could possibly go to and I was in volleyball at the time and I thought oh I'm not going to be smart enough or I'm not going to be good enough at my sport to ever get into the school and then the opportunity arose when I joined rowing and I remember the first day um of practice on the ergs my uh my coach chris meldrum who was the coach at my first club that i went to told me you know you could go you could go anywhere like you're six feet tall you're you're a fast kid like you you really as long as you keep pulling and you keep working hard you can go anywhere and i'm like i want to go to cal and i straight up that was like the first thing that kind of came out of my mouth i'm like i want to go to cal and i remember her saying well then you're gonna go to cal and i kind of live by that to this day of being like wow i really kind of just kept pushing through and kept being like no there's there's other schools that I really feel like I could have had um a really great time at and I feel like there was a bunch of amazing opportunities that arose that I feel like I could have had a great experience at any of these schools but at the end of the day it was just where I feel like I had known that I was going to belong and where I felt like if I had gone anywhere else, I would have been like, dang, I really had the opportunity to go to this school that I've wanted to go to since I was little, that I told myself I was going to have the opportunity, like I was never going to have the opportunity to go to. And then I did, and I passed it up and I just, I couldn't do that with a right mind. So I, at the end of the day, that's just, that's why I chose it. And I mean, Al Acosta, I can't, he's a great coach. He's a great person. I've heard amazing things from him. So I just kind of knew that. And along with the team atmosphere, some people that I spoke to on the team who seemed wonderful um, and just kind of the whole area, because I did have the chance to go out there um, this past fall to kind of see the campus a little bit while I wasn't able to see any coaches. I just went on my own, um, went on my own kind of visit out there to the San Francisco area to just see the campus. Um, It, it, everything about it just drew me in. So I'm like, yep, this is, this is where I'm going to end up. So I'm, I'm really happy with the decision that I've made. <laughs> sounds like you mani- like you manifested it. It wasn't just that, but also, you know, Cal is, it's impressive, but it's also super impressive to get into their very competitive rowing program. So best of luck. It's, it's such a cool program. And uh, yeah, Alacosta does a great, great job. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm super excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really refreshing to hear from someone so young who's really passionate about something and like going out there to get it so I can't wait to see what you accomplish out there I think you're gonna love it so we're gonna wrap up we have something that we'd like to do at the end of the show and it's called rapid fire so quick answers and you ready port or starboard 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 of course bow seat or stroke seat bow seat also bow seat Salt water or fresh water? Fresh water. Also fresh water. And I, I feel like this isn't helping that like not all trans people have the same experience, you know, the point we like to drive home, but we do have all the same answers. So take that as you will. <laughs> That's okay. You're kindred spirits. It's fine. It's really good. Okay. Now this next one, we normally ask people who have a fair amount of rowing experience, but a head race or sprint race? 
sprint race, 800 meters, only one I've done, 100%. Oh, head race. I'll differ here. I think it's, I'm a very um, endurance athlete type person. So I prefer the like longer distances. And this is the kind of like, okay, there's a split, like there's a clock, like there's nothing else going on except like just suffering. I'm a, I'm a head race. Suffering. I'm a head race person too. Give me the slog. Give me the slog any day. Okay. Favorite coxswain command to receive? Wayne off. <laughs> I was going to say Wayne off too. <laughs> uh, unisuit or tank and trow for rowing? Unisuit. Also unisuit. Too much, too many. No, minimize the amount of complexity. Okay. In this last one, I don't know if 16 year olds drink coffee, but coffee, this is something we ask a lot of the masters. So no coffee, can't have caffeine, water all the way. I got into like a, a pre-workout slog in the deepest days of my college rowing experience where I really had to drink a lot of like pre-workout powder before I got in the water for a while. And so that that skyrocketed my caffeine tolerance way higher than I ever wanted it to be and needed a little bit of a detox after that. <laughs> nice. All right. So Liam, Killian, thank you so much for taking some time today to talk with us. We really appreciate you being here, your openness, your honesty to talk about these issues and also just talk about rowing in your life as rowers. Uh, so thank you for being with us. And we really hope to be connected with you in the future. Thanks so much. Thank you for, thank you for having us. And I mean, I'm just so, I'm so excited to be here with y'all and chat about this and chat about, you know, my, my long old glory days of rowing. But I'm also just so inspired to be here with Killian. I think, you know, you're doing amazing work. You're being, you know, so open and so honest and you're such a force in the sport um, just to be so visible and be so willing to, you know, chat with folks about your experience. Um, you know, you're exactly where you need to be. You know, you are, you're being very brave and I wish you didn't have to be, um, but I know it's a lot to carry, but just so proud of you and just so happy to see you in the sport. And I hope you have the time in your life, you know, we stay in touch, but it's going to be tons of fun. I'm really excited for you and the rest of your career. Uh, and thank you so much for those sentiments that, that it just, it means a lot to me, especially coming from someone that's been through it and had that experience and is kind of really happy where they are now. And I just thank you guys so much for giving me this opportunity to be on this as well. Um, I feel like kind of going into my whole, again, speaking of quarantine uh, over the spring and coming out, I really never thought that I would have opportunities like this. I thought that I was going to get rejected. I thought that I wasn't going to be like welcomed in and op like being open with people and being accepted. And I was, and to know that I have these experiences now, I wish that I could just go back and tell me that everything was going to be okay and just kind of have that moment. And I just thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Liam, again, thank you for those words. Cause I, that it just makes me really happy. So thank you guys so much. It's time to check it down and finish up this episode like we always do. Each week, listeners share the best rowing-related part of their week. Let's hear from a few folks. My name is Jeff Gonzalez, and I would definitely say that I am not a rower. But, you know, this summer, we did get an erg. So as part of going to Old City CrossFit in Washington, D.C., using the ERG as part of the, the regular workout. You know, one of the, the morning coaches encouraged the members to uh, enter this rowing competition called uh, Road Royalty. I think it's mostly geared at CrossFit people. And so I've, I've never in my life imagined that I would enter into a rowing competition. But, you know, like everyone else, I'm sitting at home most of the time. And so I entered. And for someone who's, who's never started to row, until like this past summer using the ERG, I, I definitely feel pretty good. Um, and the competition ended this week and I finished maybe 120th overall is uh, out of 230. So I'm very proud of that. All right. Thank you. Hi, my name is Lisa Russell. I'm a rowing physical therapist in the Boston area and a rower. I row out of Riverside Boat Club and Community Rowing Incorporated. Um, I had a really fun rowing week because I just had a lot of moments where I was reminded of the joy that can come out of the sport. My dad surprised me at the beginning of the week in shipping me um, Phil Steckel's new book, The Wondrous Sport of Rowing, which is just a collection of photographs from around the world of various races and moments in rowing that just reminded me of the piece that we've been missing and looking forward to uh, that really brings us all a lot of joy and brings us all together. Um, those regatta moments, those moments on the water, all of those wonderful things. So it was really a great week just surrounded by the joy that rowing can really bring you.
Don't forget, you can add your voice to this segment. Just record your own voice on your phone to share the best part of your rowing week. Send the audio to us anytime at bestpart at steadystatenetwork.com. Because we miss morning practices and really miss post-practice coffee with teammates, we're hosting 30-minute coffee chats every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on Facebook Live. So grab your favorite mug, join the conversation, and become a part of something that's bringing the rowing community together across the country and around the world. And let's erg together. Join us each weekend as we host Steady State Sundays on Zoom Ergos. During these 60-minute Steady State Erg workouts, we give cues to keep you motivated and banter to keep you entertained. Arrive warmed up, stay as long as you want, and stick around after to chat. We're also excited to be a media partner for the one-of-a-kind Para Rowing Meetup Series hosted by Seize the Oar Foundation. These free sessions are open to all para rowing coaches, athletes, administrators, and fans to talk, connect, and strategize for para rowing success in 2021. To get the details and get involved, visit steadystatenetwork.com events. Steady State is made possible by our Patreon community. Thanks to Grace, Patricia, Jennifer, Kelly, Lisa, Nick, and Kate. When you join the Steady State Patreon community as a subscriber, you're supporting the new narrative in rowing and a couple of your fellow entrepreneurs making it happen. Patrons get bonus content, swag, and early access. Join today, www.steadystatenetwork.com. Hey team, that's it for today. For show notes, links, extras, bonus content, visit steadystatenetwork.com. In two, let it run. One, two, let it run. Okay, I think I got it. Okay, go for it. Okay, I'm ready. Here we go.